0: This is the analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff,
1: and I'm Mark Demoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live.
0: We will be shedding the light of God's word on the issues
1: and responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Deanna, as we approach Easter time in our in our life, our our, even our culture thinks about talks about. Easter, you see uh, the Easter commercials uh, on TV, Uh, people are selling uh, peeps in every shape and form, (laughs) Uh, so we know it's Easter time, but um, uh, one of the ways that you know Easter's coming is because you have on on various uh, television programming, uh, news outlets, uh, talk of things about Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Uh, they know it's a, a subject to be dealt with. They know they know it's something in our culture. and so they begin to address it and talk about it. And typically, from those outlets, uh, something historical about Jesus, that uh, Jesus the human figure, and uh, what that does is uh, allows them an opportunity to give alternate thinking about who Jesus was. What he did, what he really accomplished, and what this idea of a death, a crucifixion, and a resurrection means, or could mean, or whether or not it even really occurred. And so we're just going to talk today some about uh, the idea of uh, the resurrection as a miracle, and so just the concept of miracles, and what are the alternatives. If, If the resurrection wasn't a miracle, then what is going on when the New Testament writers talk about a resurrection.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because just yesterday you started off talking about how everything in the store looks like peeps. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how funny, because when I went into Target yesterday, I thought, man, all that candy looks so good. <laughs> how am I going to resist all this? But absolutely right. I mean, the resurrection provokes so many great conversations about the hope and life after this life and it is definitely something that we ought to be talking about and discussing and we know that david hume was one of the main writers to reject miracles and wrote pieces on that we know that cs lewis has a great book on miracles and the question continues to arise you know, could a miracle actually happen? And I, I would say, yes, absolutely mm-hmm. a miracle happens. And we see miracles throughout the world even today. Yeah. And if God could create the world in the beginning, obviously, you know, He mm-hmm. can raise Himself from the dead. And so we can identify through the Gospels that miracles can happen and we see Jesus giving miracles. I think the the challenge is that throughout history other people have been identified as either magicians or sorcerers and they give a sense that Jesus really wasn't a miracle maker himself but he was alongside everybody else who was fooling people and so I think it's good that we start to give a response to why Jesus is significantly different, not only in his miracles, but I think that ultimately when we conclude that the resurrection is the most plausible and reasonable answer for what took place, then it affirms that he was actually doing miracles in the first place.
1: Yeah, it's uh, in in some sense a, a circular Argument. If there's no miracles, the resurrection can't actually be true. Therefore, there has to be some other explanation for the resurrection. Uh, if the resurrection is true, uh, if Jesus was truly dead and was raised from the dead, then miracles are possible. Therefore, what Jesus was doing in his other acts, uh, usually the Bible doesn't use the word miracle. It typically uses the word sign or wonder Uh, The signs or wonders that Jesus was performing are indeed miracles. And, of course, we're we're kind of skating around some terminology. Uh, We see illusionists on TV. There's historical accounts of of magicians. You referred to the idea of sorcerers, people who are able to um, perform some uh, unexplainable act and miracles get categorized in those same terms, whereas a, a genuine miracle takes an act of God, not a, a trickery or the utilization of some resource already in existence to bring about an unusual or unexpected outcome.
0: Absolutely. And, and it cannot have a naturalistic alternative, right? Right and there's a great book out right now on miracles by keener it has two volumes and you can read through accounts that have been verified not just accounts that you can't have examination or evidence to but these are actual accounts that you can look at and observe and note that these are actual miracles that are taking place You know, Jesus also gets put in this category with these copycat religion pagan myths as well, like Osiris or Temez or Marduk. The reality is, and we don't have time on this podcast to go into the detail of what took place, but the reality is it... It is nothing alike. It reminds me of, and I don't know if we've given this example before or not, but it reminds me of my husband's a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So you see pills all the time. And so you can lay two white pills that are circular on the table, and you can say, oh, well, they're exactly alike. But the reality is, is one can be a heart medication, and one can be an allergy pill. Yeah. So it can make a significant difference in your body, and you need to know the distinctions. So I try to tell people it's good to know that that you can see things that are similar, but you need to assess the information. What we always say on here is Proverbs, you know, eighteen seventeen. The first to make his claim seems mm-hmm. right until another one comes along and examines it. Right. And we've left the field of examining. The, the truths of the resurrection story and in comparison to these other ones that just don't hold up evidentially. For one thing, they don't have the evidence to support their cases like Jesus and the resurrection. They don't have the eyewitness accounts and they're significantly different. Yeah.
1: The, uh, the difference is... and and you were using the terminology a little earlier, natural and supernatural, that's the difference between what is natural and what is supernatural. That's the the significance of the difference. Supernatural meaning beyond natural. Um, Magic, the idea of magic, is is, uh, defined this way uh, an attempt to circumvent uh, God in the acquisition of knowledge or power um, by some biblical writers and trying to define what magic is. They're they're wanting to find a way around God as the explanation. And what we're claiming with a miracle is God is the only explanation. This doesn't happen apart from God, the supernatural being. Whereas Magic or the more naturalistic approach is I don't need God to explain this. I can circumvent. I can go around God for the explanation of how this occurred. And the resurrection is wonderful fodder for that argument. There, there are those who have brought forth arguments that go we can explain the resurrection by circumventing God. We don't have to take God as the answer.
0: Absolutely. And you know, if you find in the discussion that someone is trying to note that Jesus is kind of like everybody else, then I think it's a good place to be able to look at something like The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus by Gary Habermas and Michael Lacona. I mean, he walks through the story predating Christ, which is really the only one that they try to give this other alternative explanation to the resurrection. If you're dealing with what was put to rest in the, I think, late 1800s, but given rise to in the late 1900s, you're going to see hallucinations reappear. Yeah. And you're going to see that David Strauss brought those forward, and then now you're going to see people like Jack Kent or... You even see Bart Ehrman speak to it in his book, these natural alternatives to explain what happened to Jesus after he died. And the problem with hallucinations that we're going to see is that hallucinations are only answering the question of what they were seeing. Right. And we know that in science, and and this can be looked up in journals, is that group hallucination is just as much of a miracle, if not more, than the resurrection itself, right? Right. But the thing is, it doesn't answer a couple of questions that are significantly important. One, it doesn't answer the question, well, what about the empty tomb? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you get this natural explanation of something, but the empty tomb is still not answered then you have another another thing you have to address which is well what about the transformation of the disciples right i mean we know and sean mcdowell wrote the fate of the apostles it it was a book written on what happened to the apostles after what the historical books would have spoke about to attest to either their martyrdom or maybe they don't have enough information to find out what actually happened but what he does say in the book is that none of them recanted from what they saw right and you're not going to do that with hallucinations yeah hallucinations don't happen exact with people they're individual things
1: yeah
0: so these naturalistic alternatives that you're making distinction of here i think we can address those issues and speak to them with integrity and with intellect.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the whole idea of the hallucination. Individuals who have had some sort of hallucination at some point begin to even question the validity of that hallucination. Was that really real? Uh, I think it was. Chuck Colson uh, talked about the fact that uh, he knows the the resurrection is real because there were there were eleven other men who saw the resurrection and went through uh, abandonment, uh, uh, scourgings, beatings uh, and martyrdom and refused to recant that it actually occurred And from his own personal experience, he watched 12 of the most powerful men in the U.S. government very quickly confess their (laughs) lies about Watergate with just the threat of imprisonment. And so he goes, if you can get those powerful men to, you know, break on their lies, uh, this has to be true because these were just 12, 11 left ordinary men that uh, were willing to die for what they were claiming. If it had been a lie, they would have broken much earlier. And so, um, and and that's kind of switching categories a little bit between, well, they just made up the story versus the whole hallucination. But the book of 1 Corinthians just lays out the fact that Jesus appeared to people and, um, and he did it individually in small group to those who knew him best. So there couldn't be denial of who it was. Uh, all the way to a mass audience of people. And so the the idea of it being a hallucinatory effect just begins to, to dissipate.
0: Yeah, and when you read in the Gospel, which is where we get the information regarding the resurrection that's the most detailed, we're going to see that when Mary Magdalene and John, and we, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. what happens to her. You know, Jesus says to her, Mary, and she turned and says to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, and Jesus says to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to the brothers and say to them, I am ascending. And so, she is actually touching him. Mm-hmm. Hallucinations are not touching. Yeah. And, you know, not only... Are her is her sensory within hearing seeing it's also involving touching yeah. and that's significant yeah. you know thomas here are my hands yeah. uh when he asked jesus
1: yeah touch the ones they're yeah. right here yeah
0: And so you're going to have to deal with those things with hallucinations. I just think they fall short, hallucinations, but they especially fall short when you say, okay, well, let's just say they did have hallucinations. Why would they go to their death for this? And what about the empty tomb? Where is Jesus' body? What are we going to do with that?
1: Yeah, it's real quick to see that a hallucination theory is short of what the claims are of the New Testament. And so um, you can use it as a naturalistic alternative to explain this idea of a resurrection. You cannot answer the rest of the claims that the Bible's making about what the resurrection really is when you break into account these other things. And so uh, that, that's some of the thoughts about the resurrection. There's much more to discuss, and we're going to do that again next time as we continue thinking about Easter and preparing ourselves uh, for worshiping the Lord on that particular Lord's Day. And so it's our encouragement that uh, the best way to do that is to gather with a local body this Sunday and be in church, sing, worship, hear the word taught and uh, be thinking about the fact that every Sunday we're celebrating the resurrected Christ and uh, thanks for listening.